Hi, I'm Lisa Kennedy and you're listening to The Bra and the Brave. This podcast celebrates the creative and the courageous. I am fascinated by those who are talented, forward-thinking and inquisitive. Sharing their stories, wisdom and everything in between, The Bra and the Brave is about people and their passions. So on to today's episode in this already because we've already had a lovely chat but um, (laughs) it's always the way I'm like just hit record Lisa Kennedy. Chloe Matharu you are so welcome on the Brown the Brave I can't thank you enough and I have to tell listeners because well uh, at one point I did think she'll think I'm stalking her but last week we were going to do this and then you know the joys of technology it didn't work so we're like we'll do it next week and then the next day I'm in Edinburgh helping a friend on a photo shoot walking past the venue the person's like, there's a free gig right now. And we were like, I will take a free gig. That sounds good. They're like, it's a harpist. I'm like, I'm there for that. Walking up, I'm like, looking at the sign. I'm like, it's claim that Like, how did that happen? Like, literally did not. And I was like, you're going to think I'm beer stalking. You're like, I just turned up at this gig. Didn't know you were here. I genuinely didn't. But what a delight because we were going to have this conversation. I've listened to your music online, but I never thought that I was going to get an opportunity as close to now to hear you live and it was just a total treat thank you very much yeah it was a big surprise when you came up at the end because I recognized your face straight away you're like I'm just going to do the podcast now go oh <laughs> uh, Chloe it was just beautiful so we were at the very gorgeous um, venue that is the Piano Drome. And, you know, you just, I mean, that's what I was saying, as much as the sound was incredible, the actual visuals, like, you just looked so ethereal sitting there with this beautiful instrument and this gorgeous, like, emerald green gown. I was like, oh, my word, you're just like a goddess. And the sound (laughs) that you produced, I mean, everybody in the room was totally captivated. I looked around at points and people were just like, I was saying it was quite meditative at points. Like you just got totally drawn in to the whole experience. It was beautiful. Yeah, it's sometimes it's quite hard to tell. Like with the nature of my music, I'm not really sure if people are kind of drawn in and meditating on the sound, or if they're just asleep because they often get really, <laughs> really relaxed. It's a compliment if you're sending people for a wee <laughs> snooze as well. Do you know what I mean? Like I think that's all right. I think that'd be fine. <laughs> And another thing I get at the end is, oh, you made me cry. And I'm like, well, is that a good thing or is that bad? I just don't know. <laughs> You're touching people in all many ways. Yeah, and I guess like when I was sitting listening there, I'm like, and you know, I loved the way that you can intersperse the songs with parts of your story which I think just that connection with an artist is really important especially if you're just discovering their music you always want to know the person behind the music once you fall in love with their music and that's obviously why I do this podcast so I, I guess for me it's it's like what drew you towards this really unique instrument I mean it's not every day that you get to see and hear someone play the harp it's just stunning yeah so um to be honest I started uh with being interested in singing a cappella, so a lot of the things that I liked was kind of um, the traditional Scottish ballads being sung completely with no accompaniment, um, and that was really how I started getting into folk song. Um, and then uh, performing with other people was a bit of a challenge for me because my timing is a little bit off because I'm used to just following my own leads and really taking all the space I need all the time I need. I mean, I grew up in Edinburgh and there's a huge Clarsach 
kind of following. Um, so a lot of people learn it as an instrument and obviously you have the Edinburgh International Harp Festival. Mm. So I've kind of dipped in and out of playing since the age of 10, um, but never really took it that seriously. It was just something that relaxed me and I enjoyed doing. Um, and then I kind of got quite serious about it about five years ago um, when I was, I had a lot of time in between my voyages at sea because um, it's basically once you're trained uh, in a year you get six months on ship and then six months off so you've got a lot of time when you're at home so I think at that point I was doing four months at sea and then four months at home right. um, and a lot of my friends were working in things so I got myself um, really into kind of writing songs at sea and then putting them to arrangements with the harp and really kind of immersing myself in playing the harp and then I realized that actually that whole kind of resonant nature of the harp was quite uh, it lent itself really nicely to uh, the style of my singing and uh, because I'm playing myself I can take as much space as I like <laughs> and I think because the harp kind of rings out in between like when you start playing it really resonates for a long time uh, like it, it really is one of those instruments that you can have a lot of space playing as well so that's kind of how I've gotten now my act together as a singer and a harpist <laughs> so it's oh. just kind of naturally evolved in that way. I'm so like amazed that you're saying that it's only in the last five years I mean obviously you're saying you've been playing it kind of on and off since you were a kid but the, one of the first things we said when we came out was like how do you remember all that? Because <laughs> like, you know, it's like so intricate you know like there's only so many strings you have to play them in that correct order for it to sound beautiful and then you were singing I mean I guess we'll go on to it but it was that marriage of, of both elements and it just seemed totally right and it, when you now describe about your singing and your style of singing how you you know the harp lends itself I'm like yeah that makes absolute sense having heard you live I'm like it is a perfect marriage like it is just be such a beautiful collective sound but just you know like watching you play the harp I'm like it's so intricate and precise like it, it just amazed me that you've only really like you say taken it series for the last five years I'm like wow like you've achieved a lot in the last five years <laughs> to be honest um like in my head I'm not really a harp player still <laughs> and so I actually get really like one of the things the challenges that I'm trying to overcome now is that I should be able to play to anybody um but if there's a harpist in the audience, like I do start to feel like <laughs> stage fright. <laughs> I mad. start to worry about what they're thinking of my arrangements and kind of how I'm playing because in my head, I'm still just a 10 year old that's messing around <laughs> with my harp. <laughs> Why does this imposter syndrome like literally infiltrate the most talented people I'm like every time I have this conversation people say that I'm like no no I just don't see it why are you worrying and like it was the elements of like so obviously we're describing where the inspiration was for certain songs and then at one point the way you were strumming I don't even know if that's correct terminology strumming the harp and I, you know and I was like that's the sea like I could literally envisage like waves crashing and rocks it was so clever like your arrangements are beautiful but it was just so clever it wasn't just that you were playing the harp to accompany your voice in my opinion it was that you are you were playing this harp and if you had done it if you'd just been playing the harp it would have been equally as mesmerizing but then on top of that there's this beautiful voice and this storytelling I was like it's so clever and I've never experienced anything like it like I've never been to a gig like that before so I was totally captivated 
Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that because <laughs> it's the, yeah, you really don't know like what people are thinking. And I think that in Scotland, the intimidating thing about it is that the standard of musicians in Scotland in particular is very high. And actually, um, we're always at the forefront of kind of groundbreaking ideas. And, you know, I think trying the different techniques on the heart, like I, I try and use now, um, I'm trying to branch out more into using it as a, almost like percussion um, and trying to explore, you know, lever changes and things like that. Um, but, you know, there's so many harpists that are really inspiring to watch. Mm. Um, and I think that you can really kind of see that. So uh, at the uh, festival, you can go and see lots of different harpists playing and you'll learn about about 10 different techniques going to these different concerts. Um, so it really is kind of a, a breeding ground um, of ideas. And I think that in itself is uh, both inspirational and also hugely intimidating <laughs> because as a musician, you're always kind of wanting to raise the bar and trying to reach the next level. Um, but I would say that playing and singing, like there is lim limitations there. Like I think that, <laughs> that trying to do the two things at once would be a bit distracting, trying to experiment too much. So there's kind of a, a fine line of trying to get your message across with the lyrics um, because I put a lot of thought into what I'm wanting to say in my music mm. so I try and have quite clear diction so that hopefully people can hear it um, and also whilst you're concentrating on playing um, I'm also obviously that takes a lot of practice to kind of do that but it becomes natural yes. after a while but then um, on top of that you don't want to get too carried away with the harp arrangements because it starts to detract from the song and I feel like for most people in a kind of singer and harp relationship for a song to be sung they're really wanting the harp as a kind of backdrop so I try and make it an evocative backdrop of harp music that lends itself to um, a kind of wash like a background wash for the song rather yes. than you know both things competing too much um, so it's it's difficult to know how that's <laughs> how I achieve, if I'm achieving what I want to achieve. But uh, I think the more I kind of perform and see recordings back of myself, then, you know, you get feedback uh, that way. And also from you saying what your experience was from the performance, like that's very nice to hear. I mean, even you were asking me before we started recording, so the nature of the the venue was that it was in the round and the, the kind of available seats were behind you and you'd actually started as we arrived kind of thing so we snuck in and we just found a seat kind of thing and then we ended up behind you and you were saying how was it because we couldn't see your face all the time and I'm like well you know your face is beautiful and we were happy to see it when we were able to but actually there was something about just listening to the music so being at a live gig which you know I really miss and I was thrilled that we just stumbled on this you know live gig and then it was you and you know I was like delighted to be there I've missed live music so much in the last couple of years but it was quite meditative just to, as I said to you like focus on a point in the room or just focus in the back of your head or just look at your lovely shoes lovely shoes on I was kept looking at your shoes um or looking at the heart you know because at one point is it the levers is that what you call them you changed yeah, them and, you know it. it was just like things like that that you might not notice maybe if you're you know, just watching an artist from the front. I don't know. I don't, it's because I've never, I don't, not that I recall, have I been in that situation where I've been behind the artist watching? So it was lovely. Like I didn't, as much as, you know, obviously it's lovely to see your face and you did stand up and you addressed the audience. 
it didn't take away from it because I just was really enjoying the sound that you were making. Um, and it was lovely to watch other people as well in the audience because you don't get to do that normally if it's a kind of traditional setting where you're just sitting and everyone's facing the same way. It was actually lovely to look around the room and notice how people were reacting. Like there was a young baby in the audience, uh, you know, uh, it was lovely just to see them moving to the music and then, you, you know, you're just like, watching people's reactions and going this is like this is lovely that we're experiencing this together so I thoroughly enjoyed it like I thought it was like a great setup and it didn't detract or you know take away from the fact that I was watching from behind but um yeah it must have been quite different for you if you're not used to playing in a setup like that I'm, I'm not I've only actually been performing um with my heart since October 2021 wow. so it's kind of each kind of performance is a little like so accomplished like that just blows my mind I mean obviously I know you've you're obviously music's been in your life from a young age and and what I, mean, I understand why you were saying like because you grew up in Edinburgh and there is the harp festival and you know you were drawn to that instrument but does anyone in your family play the harp or play an instrument full stop? No um so I'm not really from a musical background um so actually my close family uh like no one played music so <laughs> it's I think it's been kind of a challenge for me to kind of see myself reach a stage where I can jam with other musicians and things and then um, I've really had to kind of push myself but I, my motto is to try something that scares you and like once you've done it then move on to the next thing that scares you so I think this was kind of you know driving ships for me was something that seemed a bit scary so I pushed myself to do that in the cadetship because that really seemed well, again, I'm not from a background uh, where anyone in the family has been to see, so it was, um, no one knew what it would be like, and it was, to me, I guess, intrepid, because that's how tame I am, but that really did seem quite exciting to go off to see um, as a cadet, and then after I kind of did that, then I was kind of looking for the next thing to kind of do that I felt a little bit scared about, and although I performed um, a wee bit as a teenager, um, I actually played with um, some very distinguished musicians there, um, Ewan, Ewan uh, McPherson and Lauren McCall. They're very well known, obviously, in the folk scene. So I kind of played with them a wee bit as a teenager, and then I, I didn't do music after I, I went to sea. Um, and so I kind of walked away from the whole thing. Um, and then I think playing with them um, and then coming back as someone who hasn't really played the harp in public before was really terrifying <laughs> because you're kind of playing with these really amazing professional musicians and then coming back again and you're completely on your own so again like going on stage as a solo act was a bit scary and then also everything that you're doing because you've written the compositions it's you, you feel pretty exposed <laughs> so, so it was it was quite I mean it did tick all the boxes but kind of making me feel like I was pushing my boundaries. You're like, well, I did manifest <laughs> this. I did say that this is what I wanted to do. But you just, so my impression of you is that you have an adventurous spirit that you go after things that you want, but also things that are scary. And it doesn't surprise me that you found your way back to the harp, not just because you played it as a young person, but because there is something about the harp that just makes you think of water. And the fact that you spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time at sea, that it made complete sense. It's like almost like a package when you were telling, you know, you were telling these different stories throughout um, the gig. I was like, yeah, this just all makes sense. 
does it make sense? Did it make sense in your head when you decided to go back to music that the being at sea made you know kind of inspired you to want to write music and use and, yeah. and write it on your harp? Yeah. So um, to be honest, it's not like I chose to do music again. Like I kind of thought that that chapter was shut. But when you're on ship um, and like I was sailing around, I did my cadetship um, with a British coastal tanker company. So it was um, very small oil tankers, about 80 metres in length um, and quite old. I think they were about 30 years old. Um, so everything's manual on deck. Um, and it was kind of an old school experience in some ways because you're manually hauling the ropes and um, you're really feeling quite close to the water because obviously the larger ships you're not when you go out on deck you're quite there's a distance between the water and you whereas in rough weather on these vessels I mean the waves are coming up on deck and you know you feel very close to it so it's it was an amazing experience but also there's a constant noise so there's constant noises from different parts of the ship so there's always a drone um and then uh when we were going down to do tank cleaning and things like that um you've got this cavernous space where the acoustics are just amazing <laughs> so you know it starts to get your imagination like if you have any kind of creative or uh musical tendencies um like they kept like my musical ideas kept forcing their way back into my head because I'd be going along and then the engine would be like rum, 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 rum. and then I start having this kind of beat and I start thinking in my head oh like I really want to sing this piece so a phrase would come to me and um in my cabin like you get a lot of time in between watch and in between the jobs when you're at sea when you've done your work and you might not necessarily be able to sleep but you don't know what else to do because you obviously don't have signal all the time and you know there's only so much reading and movies you can watch so I kind of started just sitting and writing songs and I, I've still got about three notebooks full of these songs so I had to really choose the ones that I wanted to put time into to put to arrangements when I got back on shore but it really it didn't feel like a choice it felt like the music was in my head and it was actually starting to annoy me all these songs that I just had to write down <laughs> so, well, was, thank goodness that it was it was there and it had to come out. It seems like it was just like, you know, it was a natural response. But thank goodness that you were able to discover that and you went into it rather than going, oh, that's that's a past life. I'm not going back there. Yeah, and I think years ago, there used to be more kind of camaraderie at sea. Like you used to have more people that would have to work on the vessel to keep it moving. These days, a lot of stuff is done by a, by a single person on watch. Um, so really, like there was only nine people on these ships at any one time, um, and so you you have really not much social interaction. So it can get quite lonely, and I think that was kind of when I put together this album that I'm releasing in September. It's called Small Voyages, and it's basically about my time on these uh, ships and having <laughs> basically the voice of the modern day seafarer. Because, I mean, in the folk scene, we, we keep singing these uh, sea shanties and other songs about being at sea, which are great to keep alive because it's tradition, but also um, they're very male dominated. <laughs> and the lyrics even of modern day uh, folk artists writing music that is inspired by being at sea and, you know, I think most of them are land lovers, so they don't actually have experience of being at sea, oh, yeah. apart from ferry trips and things. 
they have still quite male dominated kind of lyrics singing about crew um that are men and <laughs> you like, know hold on I a minute newsflash <laughs> <laughs> again a kind of authentic like voice of the modern day seafarer to really let people know that actually it's a really reflective time to be at sea like you have to deal you have to be quite strong in mentally to be able to be alone with your thoughts for a long amount of time and without contact with family members or worse still limited contact so I think years ago you used to go to sea and mind your own business whereas now you're at sea and you glimpse stuff on Facebook about what your spouse might be up to or other friends and then basically FOMO <laughs> takes over your life. Oh my word, I can't imagine. <laughs> You're of looking course. at what everyone else is doing and that, like if you could just block all of that out, like I think your time at sea would be much easier. Um, and, you know, uh, my husband was in the Royal Navy, so images would come up of him being on shoreside, going to exotic places and things, and I would be stuck at the time thinking it was a bit rubbish just going to places around Scotland on these coastal oil tankers and you know I really felt a bit kind of left out a lot of the time and uh, <laughs> like one of the songs the title track of the album is called Small Voyages and it's basically about how the grass is greener because after I left those ships I then realised that they were a really special insight to a type of life that only a certain number of people know and have experienced um, and I got to sail all around places that were familiar to me around Europe and Northern Europe, um, Scotland and uh, in particular and I got to see it miles from sea so I got to see a completely different perspective and it kind of made me reflect on how I was living life and things like that um, and I wouldn't have had that without that experience so it really is uh, the song is all about how it is a beautiful, like, beautiful experience, but I didn't necessarily know that at the time because <laughs> I felt like I was missing out a lot. Um, well, that's just the human condition, though, isn't it? I think we we often it's hard to be present and have that gratitude when you're in the moment and you're experiencing something that's quite intense and it all sounds very intense. And I'm sure you've got these amazing images in your head of things that you've seen that you're like not everybody gets to see this and I'm sure you were appreciative a lot of the time but then also you're at your work and you're away from family and friends and, and you are like seriously away from them like you're you're out in the middle of the sea you're away from all life form apart from <laughs> what, what lives in the sea and I'm sure that yeah it's difficult to just be like oh isn't my life just wonderful especially when we have that internet connection at points with I, I mean we all suffer from FOMO I think because of social media it's getting back to that just in your own head and and I think creativity is great for that when you can get yourself a pad and a pen and, and scribbling something down whether it be song lyrics or a poem or drawing something because it takes you out of your head and it takes you out of that like comparison thing that FOMO thing yeah and you uh -huh. can just like let your imagination run wild and I'm sure you've got songs now that you're like, I remember where I was and how I was feeling or what I could see yeah. at that time, like that have just inspired this, you know, this absolutely gorgeous songbook. Yeah, like the songs definitely bring me back to a date and time and position on the chart to be a nerd. <laughs> I love this. I love this chat. This is like this is so removed from my world. I love it. So your, your job was a, a navigational officer. 
and that was the, yeah, was that the uh-huh. Merchant Navy then? Yeah, uh-huh. so I was um, I started uh, off as a deck deck on oil tankers, as so basically navigational watches, but a lot of work on deck as well. Okay. Um, and then I moved on to passenger vessels. Uh, I would have stayed with the oil tankers, but basically they only offer uh, cadet ships to British uh, people, but basically because they get uh, grants from the government. But at the moment, uh, they can employ people for less who aren't British. So when you finished your cadetship, you're out on your year. So I had to then um, find a different job. So I managed to find um, a job on cruise ships, which was a bit of a culture shock, to be honest, because I was going from these really small vessels onto like basically from nine people on board to 5,000 people on board, which was, (laughs) it was a bit much. And although I got to go and travel lots of different places, I didn't have that sense of space like I just felt really like I missed going out on deck and being able to see the black of the night and the stars in the sky there was always light and noise from the cruise ships and that was a bit it wasn't the reason why I went to see like I went to get close to the natural world and that was a huge inspiration for me in my songwriting um so although I got to go to really amazing places like Alaska and I got to see the northern lights and all sorts of wildlife um, I saw all types of whales, including beluga whales from the ship and things. Um, it's, you know, it, it was a bit busy for me. And so I really looked to get back onto smaller vessels, which I eventually did. But you've got to be thankful for every stamp in, in your book um, because they all lead onto another job, basically. So the more stamps for each trip you can get in your book, the more obviously the sea experience you've gotten. Um, and I've put that now towards my chief mates certificate so I'm now kind of the next rank up um, wow. so that that's been really good because you need a year of sea time to go for your next rank um, so it was kind of but when you look back on all the stamps and you think is that really how many months I've been at sea or how many years now like I think I've got a, a year and a half sorry two and a half years of sea time and that's a little bit scary because when you realize that's two and a half years but okay I've got loads of experience of being at sea but that's two and a half years I've been removed from society essentially <laughs> listen it sounds absolute <laughs> bliss I'm like sign me up that sounds amazing if you could just escape from, from life for a bit <laughs> to be fair yeah to be fair like I actually like um I've been shoreside a wee while now because I recently came shoreside in time to have my baby so I was on maternity leave and then I've kind of gotten a um a wee bit of time to just spend with her before I go back and basically one of the things that I struggle with here is just being able to read things in the news and feeling a part of the world whereas when I was at sea like disturbing headlines would just be water off a duck's back because I I didn't live on shore like I lived at sea and we just had each other and that was it and there was something really liberating about that and being in a kind of bubble And I do think that, you know, that's why a lot of us struggle with mental illness, shoreside and like the stress and anxieties that a lot of people are. I mean, years ago, you used to have quite manual work as well. So you'd be exhausted. There wouldn't be time to think. Yeah, just work and eat and sleep. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that. There really is like, you know, it's that kind of ignorance is bliss. I guess, but just to have yeah. a unique perspective. And obviously you can't not think about the people who are on land and the people that you're missing and, and the things that are going on in the world when you know about them. But um, but yeah, it sounds like you've had this totally unique 
experience a unique perspective of seeing the world from a, a different perspective. Yeah, I just think it's really um, interesting that you have these two worlds that you're very much a part of that make up you. And it's it's really evident having now listened to your music and, and hear some of the stories, why you make the music that you make. Yeah, uh, I think going back to kind of talking about social media, um, I think when I was younger, like I think a lot of people suffer with too much energy and too much creative energy. They don't know how to channel a lot of the stuff because of they're, they're basically ignorant and youthful. <laughs> and you know, you need the experience to kind of wind that, like wear that down slightly and give you a bit of direction and things. And I just felt like I was so kind of eaten up by all of this energy that I just felt everything had to happen right now. And um, it actually got to a point where it made me really stressed because I was always measuring myself against other artists and stuff. So for the short stint that I did kind of music as a teenager, it was actually really a damaging and emotionally damaging time for me because I was basically looking at everyone else and really suffering if people didn't like my posts or I didn't have what I thought, um, you know, other people were getting and you really compared yourself and by going away and just walking away from it all and doing what I needed to do at sea and, and accomplishments there, like that gave me the kind of strength basically to to think well you know this is my story and I'm telling it through music and to be honest I don't really care like it's obviously it's really nice when people like it but at the end of the day it's unashamedly me you know there's nothing I can do about that and I think that when you're younger you're always trying to sound like other people and trying and you're ashamed that you sound quite unique or whatever um I never really used to like my voice but again like it's a medium to do what I need to do and sounding quite uh like not how other people sound because I think I've got quite an, a unique voice you do um, absolutely it's kind of there's nothing I can do about that and that's okay like it's you know you get to when you've experienced a little bit more and you've kind of done stuff then you feel less shy and embarrassed about you and you just kind of do you and that's what people do best is just being themselves so there's not really anything um that I could have done kind of younger because I think that again you everyone measures it against age these days that's another thing like oh they've done all this by this age and again that's kind of going back to you just need to do what you need to do when you when you feel like doing it rather than looking at other people um but I would say that um you know with the social media and internet signal being so sparse at sea it's actually made me really like nervously check my phone and it's something that I'm really having to battle with is this addiction to checking my phone mm. because a lot of the time when I was missing my uh, husband at sea <laughs> I would go sometimes three weeks without an email because we were both on different ships um, and so it would be a kind of nervous check like have I got a message from him have I got a message <laughs> And now that's kind of gone away. Like there isn't that threat. Like it's, you know, for the last year and a bit, I've been shoreside and we've actually been, uh, after eight years of long distance, we've now been in the same house, which has been amazing, wow. uh, amazingly different experience. And, um, you know, I've still, I have to kick this habit of kind of checking my phone and updating emails. Um, and so it's really something that just takes over your life. And I actually think that there's going to be at some point 
it's all just going to time out. Like, I think we're all so reliant on online stuff that I think that eventually it's going to be, um, like, we realise it's not actually good for our health and <laughs> it's, it's actually not as productive as what we could be without it, you know. Yeah, and I really appreciate your honesty in terms of, like, you how you feel about it personally and that you do check it a lot because there'll be a lot of people going, that's me. And they've, yeah. not, they, and they've not been at sea for months on end, not been able to contact MD. That that is an addictive thing. Like I think we we can all be guilty, those of us that do have social media, of checking it or or that instant hit. And I think it's that dopamine thing. It's like you know if somebody sends you a message or some pings or you know we want that kind of instant like or gratification. And I guess it's hard to be in the music industry and not have an online presence. I would imagine. That, yeah. I mean, I try and with the Brawn the Brave, I'm always about sharing other people's stuff. Like if they've come on the podcast, I'm like, you know, I, I like to be a cheerleader. And the, the the easiest way I can do it is obviously, well, word of mouth, like telling people. But yeah, social media is great for just being able to put stuff out straight away. And But there is that thing where you're like, yeah, but let's not check it every five minutes. But it's difficult. It is hard. I don't know if you came across Ziggy Campbell's robot in Edinburgh Museum. This is going back about 10 years now. Okay. Um, and basically it was summing up how musicians or, you know, just divas in general really thrive. They, they basically perform and then thrive off of all of these social media likes and things. And it really sums up, you know, the highs and lows because this robot would sit there and if people tag it into uh, social media with likes and things, instantly they're kind of, um, she would play more upbeat music and then she would start to slow down and start having some kind of meltdown if she was not oh getting God. the likes that she she wanted. Um, honestly, like, I just thought it was pure genius because... <laughs> It actually sums yeah, stuff up. It's accurate, oh. isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so um, now that you're, you know, you've been on short for a while and you're really, you know, pursuing the music and obviously you're getting to perform live, which is amazing. How do you curate those, that time and space to get away from the phone and all the things that you need to do as an artist to put your, your music out there and just enjoy playing music and, and creating your music? Yeah, so um, just because I was noticing that I was spending a lot of time on my phone and social media, I actually just leave it at the door. And so it's kind of a rule that I lock it in there. <laughs> I don't look at it when I'm inside the house. Like now that I'm a mother, I think that's the thing that you have mum guilt the whole time, no matter what you're doing. And um, like, for example, my daughter's just woken up now and I can hear her and I'm like, I'm doing this and I'm starting to feel guilty about it. But you know, well, if you like, need to, if you need to go and see it at any point, please don't oh, feel you. bad. <laughs> you need, you're a mum first before anything else. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, it's just one of these things. Like, um, as long as you've got someone like my partner that's supporting you through giving you the space, then you know that it's okay for you to take an hour here and there to do the music. I would say that what's frustrating about songs and music is that for me, um, I've got so many songs that I've started to write and if I don't finish it that same day like it'll likely sit there for three years and by the time I come back to it just not feeling it anymore I can't really remember where I was going with it so usually I try and time it so that I'm doing it late at night when everyone's asleep <laughs> yeah. just do it, kind of 
into the morning and I might be going to sleep at four, but at least I'm going to bed knowing that that song's done and dusted. In the bag. And I can come back to it in the morning. Yeah, so then I'm just practising it when people are in the house rather than writing when mm. people are moving around because that's a huge distraction to me. Of course. Um, so just the small hours of the, of the morning better for me gosh I think you've invented extra hours in the day but the sounds of things all you know the the many hats that you're wearing and it's the reason that you know alongside a career and starting a family that you are putting all your energy and effort into this this career as a musician and performer and I guess through a pandemic as well (laughs) you know and and now getting out there and being, being able to perform live but but also on top of that recording an album yeah uh, I mean I think for me it's kind of a natural process but I also like it's a huge thing that I want to do for my daughter almost and I feel like I owe it to her to kind of leave her something that is um you know a legacy in some way because I think that we measure a lot of our memories with uh we kind of take account for them through photos but I feel like in this day and age where we take so many photos they're starting to lose the meaning in some ways like it's not like five photos from weddings and special occasions we've got so many that it's kind of just the impact is is lessening and so I've written these songs um and I just felt like I needed to put them down in an album so that my daughter could have something in her hand that you know she could look back on and say look this this is what my mother did and you know you never really know what's around the corner but it's there's a a nice idea that if anything were to happen you know she has this kind of legacy that she can remember me by and I think that that's also um why I want to do all the gigs in my spare time like at weekends and things because like I didn't grow up in a family that did music so it was really intimidating to go and hear people perform live and think actually I'm going to get up on stage with those people that are performing live and, and do my thing like I just want her to have the confidence to kind of go around and do what she likes and and you know at festivals That's huge. yeah and, and be exposed to the live music because I think that music is a language that just speaks to everyone no matter what your age no matter what your background is it's a universal language that brings us all together and I also think that um that's kind of part of the reason why we um, got some alpacas recently. <laughs> See, it's actually on my, so I always do a wee bullet point of things that I want to touch on. And occasionally I'll glance at it, but very rarely. But the last thing on my list is alpacas because you sent me an email saying, well, I can do this day, I can do that. I just can't do that day because I'm taking my alpaca to a wedding. I'm like, that's never a sentence that anyone said to me. I actually said to my pal Lindsay when we were at the gig, I was like, she's also got an alpaca. <laughs> What, what is this about tell me this this is yeah, amazing so I think it was I think like lockdown for a lot of people like it was um it gave everyone a break from their normal day life but I took like when you go to see you have a break from your normal day life so every time I went to see I'd come back with these crazy ideas of goals that I wanted to do the next time I was short sight and actually this removal from your daily routine I was enforced on everyone during lockdown so for me and my husband like like lockdown itself was actually not very strenuous compared to how it was mentally strenuous for a lot of people that are used to living their daily routine every day like for Mm -hmm. us it was kind of like being at sea and being removed from things when you're at sea um and so what it did do was make me readdress 
how I was doing things because I'd kind of gone on maternity leave and you know I was in my routine of going to baby classes and things and it made me think like what are my goals for being a mum and what do I think is important for kids to be kind of exposed to music was one of them um like having parents that don't stop everything because of having kids um I think a lot of my friends have kind of complained about losing identity and things um for me it wasn't a loss of identity it was actually just a change in what I wanted to do goal-wise like I work with young people I'm like it's so important that the adults in their life don't stop their life and that you show young people that you can do whatever you want and actually you should challenge yourself you don't just stop playing when you become an adult that you should explore and you should do things that scare you and that yeah you have to make like room for your the things that you enjoy in your life that it doesn't just become all about your kids because of course it's all about your kids anyway that's a given yeah (laughs) you know what I mean like we get that but yeah that you should live your life and that you should be showing your kids that you can achieve anything you want to it's not like well I had this life before I had you and I did all these amazing things no like they lead by example so you show them yeah uh and I think for me like the deep sea voyages and going to the exciting places that's a chapter that's really it's fairly shut now for me and so because I've had kids but I don't want it to be like like you say oh well I did this before yeah before I had kids and then I had kids and that was it and it's you know you want to have a next chapter to kind of share with the kids so as you say it is all about the kids but it's kind of like you want to show them how they should achieve yeah, things bring them so on that adventure like not yeah, just uh-huh. like we're doing this thing together like you can be yeah. part of it it's not like we just have to do all the, the kid things of course you do all the kid things too I don't have kids but I know enough people that do and I work with young people and I'm like yeah just like just keep living your life and do the things yeah, you can bring them with you like so that's what made me think about your gig especially because I'm looking around the room there's people of all ages I'm sure there was people from all over the world there because it was the Edinburgh Fringe and there was like a toddler like a, a like a young and, and, and a babe like in arms it was literally just it was just out of the wrapper it was just arrived bullets and things and I'm like oh, yeah this this person has brought their baby to a gig because they enjoy music and they want their baby to experience it with them. I like yeah. life doesn't stop or doesn't have to. And I mean, that coming from a person who's not had a baby, I can hear people in the background going, "Mom, you don't know because you've not got one. But I just think it is super important. I think it's really inspiring that that's the attitude that you've got. I think that's correct. I think that's great. Yeah. So I think the two priorities for me were kind of music and also outdoor space because I kind of, I grew up in Edinburgh and, um, you know, I really liked horses, but it was something that I never really got into until I was an adult. Yeah, I wanted her to have an outdoor space that was kind of like farm living, but we, we can't afford a farm and we can't, we don't have the space. So basically, I was looking at businesses that I could keep a small selection of livestock and kind of it would pay for itself. So at first we were looking at chickens and <laughs> then I, it kind of led me to thinking actually you know having them free range it's really difficult how can I keep them safe whilst they're free ranging and then that led me to alpacas that you can use as sentry and then it's like from a chicken the size of a chicken to an alpaca boy I'm like right (laughs) (laughs) contacted a guy being like well I'm you know I was thinking of alpaca is sentry like can I find out some more about them and basically they can pay for their way because there's a lot of demand for like interacting with like public interacting with them so things like alpaca weddings so you bring them to weddings and people pet them and things um and then there's also um 
like things like <laughs> uh, trekking is something that we offer so people can come and take them on walks and then feed sessions as well. Um, so all of this has kind of come together to make a little business model that you can keep these animals, rent as a field um, and have these alpacas. Now, of course, there's a lot more work that goes into it. <laughs> <laughs> so I can only always, imagine. Like it, it does take an, an an awful amount of work to look after the animals, but I think it's really worth it because I think it gives confidence to my daughter because I mean she's tiny and these alpacas are about my height and she's going up to them and shoving them out the way, saying, "No, you're not taking food out of my bucket. You're going to take it out of my hand." <laughs> How many <laughs> have you got? So we have five now. We've got five. Oh my so, gosh, that's yeah. amazing. <laughs> That's really cool that you've introduced that to her life and that you have this totally random that's not kind of connected to anything else you do. Again, it's meeting new people and adventures and taking these alpacas to weddings and stuff like you'll be meeting people and it's just the connection thing and stories, like creating new stories and adventures. And I, I just get the sense that stories and adventures are important to you. Yeah, uh uh-huh. I actually love reading and I think that what I found so frustrating as a child was that I was like living through the stories of other people in books and it really got to a point where I was like gosh like why is my life so boring (laughs) I'm just like any other Edinburgh girl just kind of ticking along and you know like how can I break the mold kind of thing and not because I want to be different from people but just because I want to experience a lot before you know life's over (laughs) I actually like it is quite sad because it kind of goes back to um I basically lost my best friend when she was 22 um and so it was a very sudden thing that happened um and it really made me kind of question a lot of stuff at that time she was a bit older than me so I was I kind of had the time then like I was my parents had kind of pushed me into university and it was kind of not where I wanted to be and so it was kind of the the line where I was like I'm not happy doing that and you know that's not my story I'm not writing that myself so I ended up dropping out and going to see and that was something that my parents really weren't happy with at all and they kind of they were quite doom and gloom about (laughs) about it and they were quite worried Um, and then uh, obviously I did it and I, I did it successfully and you know I guess they've kind of seen that actually it was the right thing to do it's just so important that we're making sure that we're writing our own kind of path rather than just falling into it um because something else that it kind of scares me is when people get to middle age and then have some kind of midlife crisis (laughs) where they suddenly realize that actually what they're doing isn't what they wanted to do and i think that it's really important to have these um moments in life where you reflect back and I think that I am quite a reflective person, so that can equally go like too much the other way where I'm constantly wondering if I'm doing enough. <laughs> but, you know, it is really important to reflect on what you're doing and reflect on whether the goals that you've set yourself, you've mm-hmm. done them yet. And also if they still apply to you at that. That's it. It's like not giving time. yourself a hard time if you change your mind. It's like that uh, was a chapter. You know, I'm sure you didn't always imagine that you would have alpacas but you do now because that that was an idea that you thought of and you were like that's what I want in my life that makes sense in my life at this point and you've just went after it because I often worry like because I've got lots of interests and sometimes I'm like people will be like oh what's she up to now 
as if like I can't <laughs> stick at one thing and then I'm like well who cares anyway like I'm not really bothered like I'm having a nice time but there are points where you go well maybe I should have just done that or maybe do you know what I mean a bit like yourself but I think you're right like you're just making a life for yourself and if it can be more colourful like great do you know what I mean like colouring out yeah, the lines uh-huh. is important you know what I mean like think of all the things that you can tell your daughter but you can also share with her also in your song writing especially what are you going to write about if you're not living a life yeah uh, and I think like that's something that I've really been giving myself a hard time about like when I first started doing music was you know I'm not technically as good as this person like technically they're a much better player technically they're doing this and you know then I got to a point where I was thinking yeah but did they go away and have these experiences or have they studied music? And so not taking away anything from them, because obviously they've got the discipline, which is amazing, and they've really stuck at something for that amount of time. But also I think that to have that diversity in music, you need to have different stories and different experiences being conveyed in the music. So I would say that actually the music I do is very unique um, because it's giving a voice to female seafarers and that's actually not anything that I see, like an authentic voice for seafarers um, isn't something that's widely done in folk music. And to be honest, I haven't seen like an, another merchant naval officer writing, who's female writing music. You can't take that away from the nope, music. That's you know, your USP, that's, that's you. Yeah. Like, nobody <laughs> can be you. Like literally that is your unique yeah. selling point. There is nobody like you. Like you said earlier on, the sound of your voice and the uniqueness and that you felt that you couldn't sing with other people because of the way you want to sing. And and rather, it's like flipping it on its head. Like all the time you give yourself a hard time for going, oh, I can't keep up with other people. I'm not singing the same as them. And, you know, that was that was a strength actually that, you sang the way that you sung, do you know what I mean? To write the music that you now write, that you now perform, that no one's going to sound like you and no one's going to write the music that you put out in the world because of the experiences as well that you've had. Yeah, and I think that this um, is, like, personally something that I've really struggled with throughout life is always wondering if, like, how I can be less myself. And (laughs) I don't know if it's just me. I think that a lot of people feel the same way where they're kind of comparing themselves to other people's successes. So something that I really found when I was at sea was kind of, how could I be more masculine? How could I be more of a man about the job? Because that's how you get respect in the job. And to be honest, I think that in a lot of male dominated environments, and to be honest, let's be, let's be honest. I think in general, like there seems to be a kind of idea that if you're feminine um, and by feminine, I mean, people's stereotypes of taking an interest in how they look, being in some way soft-spoken, being um, a mother, being someone who's interested in, uh, you know, soft and gentle kind of energies, you know, that kind of giving Mm -hmm. out soft and gentle energies. Somehow that seems to be not welcome in the workplace. And it also seems to be something that's kind of a lot of my female colleagues at sea were trying to shy away from, oh, I'm one of the lads, you know, oh, you brought your hairdryer to sea. Are you really serious about the job? It's, well, you know, I don't want a wet, cold head going That just makes sense. That's just been practical. <laughs> I mean, like, there was a lot of this kind of trying to outlad each other and trying to be the man on the job. And to be honest, that's not me because I feel like that's a really... 
I feel like feminism has kind of gone in a bit of a wave where back in the 70s, it was really important for women to break the mould and say, you know, I don't actually want to wear that flowery frock that you're trying to put me in. I don't want to wear this bra. I'm going to burn it. Whereas now I feel like there's this kind of backlash of, yeah, we've kind of broken those boundaries and we're trying to get equality in the workplace. But there's this kind of that, like we're carrying forward this kind of idea that you need to break the feminine stereotype to be a feminist or to be strong um, and be like very competent. But actually part of the reason that I got so frustrated um, with that is because there's no reason why you can't do the job just as good as anyone else whilst being feminine, being interested in how you look. And I mean, <gasps> men turn up to watch having shaved and wearing aftershave. Correct. But as soon as you do something like put on a bit of makeup, people are like, oh, well, why are you, isn't that going to detract from the job? Like you're wearing quite a lot of makeup for the job and things and you're a bit like, uh, so is it okay if he wears aftershave and hair gel? Like, I don't see you picking up on him, you know? Totally. So there's kind of double standards there and I think that you know there's this pressure on women to kind of stop being who they are well, it's just it's up. a self-expression that if you want to paint your face if you want to yeah. style your hair whatever gender you are however you identify that's just a form of self-expression I mean I know yeah. I remarked earlier on on the way that you looked at the gig because because you were commanding the space as an artist it was all part of the performance what you'd chosen yeah. to wear, the sound that you were creating, the way that you the way that you spoke to the audience, like that was just part of the experience. Um, and yeah, you're you're spot on. Like everything you're saying, I'm just like nodding away because, yeah, it's it's self expression. And as an artist, or as a navigational officer in the Merchant Navy, like you should be able to be you as well as do your job. Like you can do both at the same time. Yeah. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. And I think. Like what I'm trying to say is that to be um, like it should be okay that we have this kind of umbrella of ideas that a woman can be anything she wants to be, whether it be dressed like a boy, whether it be um, taking a care in how she looks, whether it's being the person who doesn't have kids and works and that's their baby is working, or it's being the stay-at-home mum. Like all of that is equally important and. Yeah. There just seems to be a little bit of this kind of, you know, she's one of those stay-at-home mums. Like, you know, this kind of a stigma where it's kind of going, the feminism is kind of going almost like a backlash where it's kind of going uh -huh. back on itself. That if you're not knocking your pan in and spinning a billion plates, that you're not really valid yeah, either. Uh -huh. Like, you should have the choice to do whatever you want with your life and, you know, make the life that you want, whatever that looks like. Yeah, and I think that coming kind of um, becoming a mum has kind of been a bit of a challenge for me because I've had this idea of, you know, I'm a strong person who's an officer and, you know, I'm not that feminine, but then <laughs> because you're working at sea, but then, you know, I've come shoreside and I'm very feminine, like I've brought forth life and it's really made me kind of explore that kind of idea of, you know, I, could have, I can be all of these things and it's not actually about like how um, you portray yourself it's how you actually command the space and that's the kind of strength that people need is how you command yourself and how you believe and perceive yourself is very very important um, and I think that it's very difficult um, for lots of people not just women mm -hmm. but I think in particular women we have quite a few narratives going on 
in society that makes it really difficult <clears throat> to find your identity as a young person. And then it takes a while to kind of find your footing in the workplace as well, because again, it's, you know, the pay gap and everything. There's a lot of ideas in your head that's kind of stuck there and you just never really know if stuff is happening because of your gender or if it's because, yeah. Yeah, that's serious food for thought. I'm sure anyone listening to this right now, there'll be lots of people nodding in agreement. <laughs> Um, you know you talked about commanding the space and that's absolutely what you did at that performance like you just had everybody in the palm of your hand the storytelling the, the your beautiful music and um, everything about it was just totally captivating and like I just really admired you in that moment I was like this is just tremendous and not everybody can do this it was totally <laughs> unique it, totally <laughs> unique like I can't thank you enough like I was like this is amazing. Um, and it's just even, it's so lovely that we now get to have this conversation after the fact that I get to know you more and understand where this has all come from and where it's going, you know, and it's so exciting to see where this, you know, your music's going to go next because you've got this album that's launching in September and how are you feeling about that? Is there excitement, trepidation, all of the above? Yeah, so um, I guess this is, like, this is kind of, where I was going and then I kind of went off on a tangent. Was I love a tangent, I love a tangent, Chloe. <laughs> People see this, I, like, I, I mean, I'm from a kind of mixed background, so I'm actually half Indian and half uh, Welsh, and then I grew up in Scotland, so there's a bit of a mix Amazing. there. Um, and there's also, obviously, I'm kind of breaking down gender stereotypes in the workplace because of being a female seafarer. Like I think I was in an intake of one female and eighty boys. So wow. You know, so that was kind of like people see you and there's this perception of who you are. When a lot of people perceive me as a white woman who plays the harp, so there's quite a lot of kind of garbage in people's heads where they yeah. kind of paint a picture of who you are. Um, and then I'm singing quite soft, gentle songs, which again in a lot of people's minds is how they describe feminine. And so then the story kind of comes in and I just think it's so important to kind of challenge people's perceptions. So, you know, I'm not white and I'm also, I'm not, I don't just play feminine music, like soft music, like I am also doing things like the driving ships, for example, um, with my soft, gentle feminine energy because I'm not one of the lads. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of, you're like stop trying to fit me in a box because I don't fit I don't I just don't fit I'm not getting any boxes try as you may it's not happening I really I can't be one of the lads like I am just yeah so I go to the workplace and you know I add that that's diversity in the workplace and I think that's really important but certain um workplaces that are lagging behind they need to have the balance, the gender balance, because you need to have everyone's different energies put in there. So it's not a case of having women come in and fit the box, like you say, it's coming in and offering what they have that's different, that's lacking at the, at the minute. Um, so all of this is kind of painting this picture of like perception and challenging that. And I guess that's my way of breaking down boundaries in music and through music is one through stories um, that I'm telling in the music. And secondly, through like the perception of me and doing dressing as I think portrays me and the music, yeah. but then also that challenges a lot of people's views of a female officer in the Merchant Navy. Um, 
And of course, I'm slightly nervous about how this is going to be all read because <laughs> it's going to come out in September. And obviously, it's like a new maritime folk is how I would describe it. But then whether that falls in, like whether music needs to fall into people's expectations and what people are wanting, um, or whether it's okay to kind of pave your way doing your own thing. Well, that's a big question that I think many artists ask. Mm -hmm. And I think that time will tell the wiser. Um, and of course, it's slightly nerve wracking because I don't know how, <laughs> I don't know how people will take it. But, you know, it's, it's me and that's all I can, all I can offer. So, so here we are. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the artists that have totally carved their own path, paved the way, like being total trendsetters, be, or, you know, people have just tried to emulate them and just never been able to because of their uniqueness. You know what I mean? I'm thinking, I just thought a queen right away. I was like, they're Freddie Mercury. Like, there was nobody like you. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so I think that... kind of cool. Uh, but I wished you, you are the epitome of cool. Like, you've just given me a checklist, like, navigation officer, like, musician, harpist, oh, like, beautiful <laughs> songwriter, beautiful voice, uh, We've got alpacas, like, I mean, how many how many things do we need in the list? <laughs> yeah, you're, you're, you're nailing the cool factor for sure, Claire. I don't think you need to worry about that. Um, I think it's important, everything that you've said and everything that you stand for and everything that you're doing with your music, that you are being uniquely yourself. You're not, of course, the comparison factor will come in at points. We're a human being, um, but we can't help it at points. But I think it is important that you are essentially doing the thing that you do comes natural to you and that you're telling the stories that are from your life from your experiences that you're inspired to tell I think you can't get any better than that I think you just have to be who you are and live your life to the fullest as much as you can because to be in a privileged position to do that I think it's like you have like the onus is on you to live your life when you have the freedom to do it because a lot of people don't have that freedom exactly yeah that's something that I've really been made aware of being half Indian is that my dad has always been like you're in the UK like women can do whatever they like here so you do whatever you like and that is something that's kind of it it keeps being in my head that you know that's true like a lot of women or a lot of people in general like depending on where you live like we're, we're privileged to be in the UK and to be able to do what we want it's just it's really refreshing to hear somebody going after what they love to do and that you're using your voice for good and that you are you know you are being inspirational not only to your daughter but I'm sure to so many people that listen to your music and will listen to this conversation because I think you get an essence of someone obviously through their music and if you go to a live performance and there is that chat with the audience I always enjoy that part where you get to know an artist more but that's what I love doing about doing this podcast because you get a bit more time with somebody just mm -hmm. to get to know what they're all about um, and that makes me appreciate your music even more and when I go back to listen to it again I'll understand more about your music and, and where it's all come from and I can just see you soaring like I'm just interested to know what you do next I'm like you're going to surprise us whatever you do I know it's, there's going to be something else I'm sure there's an idea already brewing in there um I think just the next music that I write is definitely going to be like exploring breaking down boundaries I guess that's definitely like a source of inspiration for me mm. um both culturally and also um gender-based ideas that women and men should be um, that's something that I definitely want to explore. Um, but also going back, I had 
a funny conversation with a captain once. Often senior officers would kind of challenge you in conversations to prove that you are what they would classify as strong and, <laughs> you know, okay. proving yourself in some way. And he was like, basically said something that I think he thought would irritate me because he was saying something along the lines of, oh, I just don't think that women these days are just made of, of strong stuff as they used to be. You know, they really aren't as strong and as stern as they used to be. And in my head, like, I thought, well, to be honest, that's like, I can't really argue with that because to be honest, all of us in modern day UK are a lot softer probably than what our ancestors were. And then I was thinking, I think I answered him saying, well, to be honest, that's definitely true for me because at the end of the day, my great great grandmother was smuggling knives underneath her sari in the Indian Civil War and I've never had to do that so you know driving a ship looks pretty tame compared to that you know I don't know what he thought I was going to say but I think <laughs> I mean, I shut him up. But I think what he wanted was to see like how fiery I was because I would end up being like hey don't say that about women you know but I'm not going to rise to the bait when it just seems a bit of a stupid thing <laughs> it's just a stupid captain kind of I don't know so <laughs> I love that. I love so that was your did you see your great grandma? Um it's yeah, one of my I don't know how far back it goes. Um Gosh, I don't hey. speak Punjabi very well. Um so a lot of the stories that get told, like I don't always get all of the information. And then my father tries to translate it for me. And it a lot gets lost in translation, but definitely um, like I think it was my great great grandmother or wow. maybe even three greats, um, was doing that. It just puts it into perspective, doesn't it? Like, course, you know, absolutely. I've got my battles in the workplace, but it's it's actually very tame. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> going to compare myself to someone who had to smuggle knives. Like, you know what I mean? Just as like, stay alive. Like, you know, um, everything's relative. I, I think that's important yeah. as well to say, like, because when obviously mental health is a huge topic um, and coming out of a pandemic, or we're still in a pandemic, but, um, you know, and... I think it's quite easy for people to then compare themselves to other people and say, well, what have I got to worry about? But they're still feeling the way that they're feeling. And I think it's yeah, also it. equally important to say, but you can't negate how you feel. Like if that's how you feel and, and you're struggling with life, then that's important to address that. And you should be able to say that. And it shouldn't be, well, what's up with you? You know, you don't know you're born, you don't know you're living. But yeah, equally, we have to, it's just putting things into perspective as well and, and realising that um, yeah, times have changed and that the challenges look different for everybody and that strength can look very different in different scenarios. Like what you deem as being strong isn't always about... Yeah, things. you never know what people's personal battles are. Correct. And I think that especially like during my pregnancy, I actually really suffered with anxiety and like the hormone change really made me quite nervous and upset a lot of the time. And that was quite, um, you know, that was actually a huge battle for me. I'd never felt really like that before. Mm. Like I always felt quite um, in command. And I think that that is something that, you know, you never really understand until you're kind of in that position. It's of kind course. of what you say, it's totally like relative of what you think is going to be your next accomplishment. It has to be like your goals rather than other people's and societies. It's also how you empathise with things as well. Like for us, like for me, I just feel like I empathise with other 
like news and things like like I, it comes onto my shoulders and it, it's really hard for me to dispel like everyone's feeling that what's happened in the world recently is just you know any kind of news story is is difficult because we have it's so instant we all feel it across the globe um and to be honest like when the war broke out in Ukraine I, I actually stopped writing music for about eight months like it was <laughs> it was really difficult um for all of us to kind of feel like we're sitting by you know yeah. and that kind of uselessness um and feeling like you say that we're privileged and actually it can get to a point where you feel like you're too privileged to deserve you know <laughs> this stuff you know and so it's really difficult to kind of get the balance of it really is um, no I appreciate you saying yeah. that but I also think like we spoke about earlier on the power of music and the bringing together of people and um you know, bringing people together that wouldn't necessarily be together otherwise you know I'm just thinking again back to that room at piano drum the other day there there was people from all walks of life all ages you know you almost wanted to ask everybody where they were from and um, how they ended up in this space you know because I ended up in that space by total chance and I think that's the joy of like the festival itself um, in a scenario like that where it does bring people together and obviously we're privileged to be there in the first place you know um, to be able to to go to the fringe but it did make me think in that space like the power of music where we were just all there enjoying the same thing and whether people had known you before or never heard of your music before that, that was like a connection that we all had we were all in the room at that time and we were witness to that that's the power of the arts I think like somebody would leave that room and have a better day because of the music that they heard or the time just that time to stop and and not think about anything else but just music and you know in those moments where you feel like you're not doing enough or that you're not connected to what's going on in the world or that you're help you know you're, you feel the helplessness I think that the artists are a great way to to bring people together and celebrate yeah and also uh, like highlight the issues in the world as well you know it's big or small yeah uh -huh, definitely I think that's so true you know I think it's wonderful that you're pursuing this you're too talented not to I, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this because it is just lovely to sit down with somebody but I know you've got a million other things you could probably be doing and your time is very <laughs> valuable especially when you've got a wee person no, in the house so it was a pleasure no honestly you have really interesting people on so to be honest I felt a little bit um not sure if I should have written to you or not because I felt like I was putting myself forward for something like and there's another what? thing well let's just put now you've said that I can tell people so you message me which I hugely appreciate and hugely admire because I'm I'm obviously the person that normally has to reach out to people and ask them and there's always that moment where I'm like well they're going to say no and I'm like well if they say no they say no like but I have to feel gallus in order to do it yeah, you know uh -huh. and then um, and when you messaged me I was like I totally admired that because yeah you have you have to put yourself out there that's what I've done with the podcast you have to tell people you exist or else how they're going yeah, to know uh -huh. do you know what I mean and like we've been able to connect and then I came to your gig even though I didn't know I was coming at your gig and like uh, now we've got this connection like now I know about your music and now I'm going to champion and follow you and what you're doing and I think it's just it's great it's brilliant so uh, thank you for reaching out I massively yeah, appreciate no, it. I, no I honestly because uh, I follow you um, and honestly you have very interesting people on so I really wasn't sure if I was giving myself airs and graces like putting myself no, forward never <laughs> never like you, say, you just have to put yourself out there and actually it doesn't matter if people say no because at least you've tried I find that uh with uh like the the music and things I'm not from as you know I haven't gone and studied it 
And I think that you actually make so many collaborations with and have a kind of network already made um, by going and studying it and living, breathing music. Um, and that's really important for musicians starting out that are doing it full time. And, you know, it's starting to look more and more tempting to try and pursue this as something that I'm doing full time. But I don't have like literally the connections I'm making are through my gigs and uh, going to other people's gigs and things. So you really have to put in a lot of groundwork um, coming from a very different kind of industry because <laughs> my yeah. maritime connections aren't going to get me gigs. <laughs> so it's kind of... Well, they're, it's their loss. I'm just saying, <laughs> their loss if they're not booking you, I'm telling you. <laughs> like my best and closest friends are probably all from the Merchant Navy. Yeah. Um, and I actually really struggle now to speak to women. <laughs> I never really know like how I fit in in like female circles like one-to-one's fine and yourself is fine because you well you're very down to earth but you Thank know you. like <laughs> I really like it actually terrifies me when I walk into a room and it's like mostly women I'm like oh, how am I going to interact where do I fit in and um I was trying to speak to um I was you know Mary Campbell I, I went to her gig the other day and she's amazing and then there was like a group of women that were all performing in her is it she her concert her, her mm-hmm. gig it's a really interesting uh thing in the fringe if you manage to go and see it but there was a group of women there and Mary Campbell and I just didn't know where to put myself because they're all women <laughs> all creatives <laughs> and then actually one of my friends walked in who's from the Merchant Navy and I, I know him from sea and I instantly felt really like oh, I don't know what to say to this guy <laughs> where I am that, that, <laughs> listen that that is so human that thing that you just said like that you've said so many truths on this I can't like I'm I'm so thankful that you've been so honest because there'll be so many people going I think folk also struggle with conversation these days because of the pandemic do you know what I mean because like we've been stuck in our houses yeah. like there's been social situations where I'm like I'm not very good at this like I was better at this before yeah we're sometimes thrown at these situations where you're just like you feel like the biggest imposter and really if you just be yourself, that is the best option. But sometimes yeah, it's just, sometimes it's just hard. <laughs> I think you're giving yourself way too much of a hard time, Chloe. I think you're nailing so many things on so many levels. And uh, anybody that has the joy of being in a friendship or getting to meet you or seeing you play live, whatever it is, they're very lucky. So stop giving yourself a hard time. You're brilliant, <laughs> as you are. And if somebody sees Chloe at an event, go and talk to her. <laughs> Go and make the first move. Try and fill in the gap. I, love your, I literally ambushed you at the end of your gig because I've been sitting behind you the whole time. So you obviously didn't even know I was in. And then literally you stood up and then I was like, I'm just because I knew everybody was going to descend on you. So I was like, I'm just going to say, and I was like, Chloe, and you were like, yes. And I'm like, Lisa, bro, brave. And you were like, hi. <laughs> like, why are you here? Kind of thing. Um, so I so you did a great job. You did a great job of talking to me when I totally <laughs> pounced on you from behind <laughs> you weren't awkward at all thank you <laughs> <laughs> now i do this thing on the podcast called the Jigs. i don't pick them in advance they're just a list of random questions um and i thought i would throw a few on you just to see how you would react in this moment like your answer might be different tomorrow um so best ever song lyric yeah so laurie evans um adam and that translates as look forward, don't look back. And I think that's really, that speaks to me. 
Um, oh, here's one. If you could duet with anyone, who would it be? It would be Bert Jansch, but I think that a part of me will always be slightly in love with Bert Jansch and his songs. <laughs> but, you know, it's actually really poignant because um, when I was performing as a teenager, I was asked to open for him at the Queen's Hall, and that was actually the like the day before he was that was when he passed away the day before the event wow. so it was really Gosh. like I was all geared up to meet him and then obviously he got ill and it was just you know so sad that he passed away I think it was pneumonia oh. that got him so it was kind of one of these things that um obviously it was a tragedy in itself that he passed away and then for me personally it was also like yeah, I was so course. ready to meet him <laughs> so oh, it was one bless. of these severe disappointments so if I could do it with anyone it would be him so there's one that I ask everyone, but before I ask you that one, um, best day you've ever had? <laughs> the day I passed my Officer of the Watch licence is by far the best day of my life. Yes. And how many years ago was that? Um, so I passed it, uh, that was about eight years ago. Wow. And the question that I do ask everyone, because it's called The Bra and the Brave, which, by the way, you are in abundance. You are equal parts bra and brave, for sure. You literally tick every <laughs> box for being on this podcast. Um, is What is your favourite Scots word or phrase? Um, hold your wish. That's pretty a good one. <laughs> so many people speak too much. <laughs> and I really, like, conversation's good, but it's kind of, if it's just waffle or talking about other people I'm not interested <laughs> so. I'm with you there I'm with you <laughs> yeah well I'm glad that you blethered that you didn't hold your wished for me because this has been <laughs> so delightful and I will just put out there that we've had to jump in and out of this zoom about a million times so I massively appreciate that you've been so patient with my technical setup this evening <laughs> <laughs> no not at all I'm absolutely absolute technophobe so I'm glad that we could do Zoom <laughs> to be honest Wait, thank you so much I wish you every success I'm delighted that we got to meet in real life that I got to hear you playing and I just wish you all the success and I'll put all the details in the show notes of your up and coming album that everyone will get to enjoy very soon thank you very much you're <laughs> most welcome I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Bra and the Brave, a podcast about people and their passions. Join us next time for more insight and inspiration from my wonderful guests. Bye for now.